So, you know, I think some of us are like, why do we keep doing that? Why do we keep doing this normal church greeting time? Well, I just don't see it that way. I see, I see such a cry out from most people in this church and in Christianity as a, as a whole for like, I want to be known. I want to be known. I want to be known. I want people to know me on a deep level, but I'm terrified of the process of getting there. Well, the first step is hello. That's it. And we're called into community. And we can't love one another, we can't pray for one another if we never talk to one another. And so I just want to welcome you to this place. We are in the Gospel of John. If you need a Bible, get one open to John chapter 4. Uh, if you need one, they're along these walls. Uh, as we study the Gospel of John, uh, the goal, remember, is to marvel at Jesus, is to behold Jesus, is to see how Jesus treats people, especially those that are labeled sinners, and those that are labeled, like, just less than that, that time. So the way he treats women, the way he treats kids, the way he treats the refugees, like, way, the way he treats people matters. And I, wanna, I just want to marvel at Jesus. I want to stare at how he does life. And so once again today, I think we need the Spirit of God to move. I don't just want to learn another Bible story. This is not Sunday school. Uh, I'm going to pray here, and I'm going to beg the Holy Spirit of God to get you in the best way possible. That, that down somewhere in your heart, there's probably something, and this is kind of the direction we're headed. There's something that I'm praying God would let, you would open up and go, God, yeah, take this finally. I'm, I'm convinced that probably 99.7% of you, which leads 0.3 of you, 99.7% of you have some kind of secret or sin or shame that you need to trust Jesus with today. And if you will, you're gonna see the same thing happen in your heart in life that I think you see happen in the woman we're gonna read about today. And so I can't do that. I can, I can give you a Bible, but the Holy Spirit's the one that's gonna be like, you can trust Jesus with this. So Lord, I come before you, we come before you as your people. And I know you already know every cell of our bodies, which means you know every secret, every shame, every little thing that's in our past, everything that's in our future. And so we gather in your name, and I pray, Jesus, that you would, you would push, and you would mold, and you would shake, and you would move, God. God, I can't, and nobody in this room can produce these things. Only you can. So Holy Spirit of the living God, invade this room. Deal with our hearts. Deep down, deal with our soul-level wounds. I pray trust and faith would arise in the name of Jesus Christ that we would trust you, not just with some heavenly future, but like right now in the mix, what you're doing right here on earth. And so Jesus, we look to you in your word, in your name, amen. So the whole idea of the gospel of John is he starts talking about the word of God, the word with us, in the beginning was the word, and then explaining that Jesus really is God in the midst of us. Now, if you don't shine it up too much, your life on a real level, is full of burdens, anxieties, stress. Anybody, right? Like normal, normal day-to-day -day living is not this pretty shined up, like blessing to be a blessing, no sin, no tarnish on it, life, right? It's actually, there's some weight to it. There's some grime on it. There's some darkness to it. That's the world Jesus steps into. Except regularly when we approach Jesus, we go, I'm gonna get as pretty as possible. I'm gonna clean myself up 
But that's not how you see Jesus operate. Jesus walks into dark places. Jesus walks into sinful places. And then Jesus brings truth and life and healing and power, not the other way around. And so what we're going to watch today is just grace being poured out on an unexpected person, unexpected place, unexpected time. And it's beautiful. And so in John chapter 4, you have once again a well, 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 well-known story for all you church kids. I'm a church kid. And it'd be really easy to felt board this out for you and be like, recite to me the facts of this story. But let's read it, we'll break it down, and we'll talk about it, all right? John chapter 4. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and he departed again for Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. So I don't know if you're a Bible writer. Go ahead and underline that. Had to pass through Samaria. We're going to come back, circle around to that. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son of Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey. Now, I love that statement. You want to know why? Jesus is tired. Jesus is not riding a white horse. Jesus is not like, come on, guys, let's go another 20 miles. No, he's tired, he's dirty, he's grimy, and he's sitting down like, worn out. You normally picture Jesus that way, right? No, me either. But it's there. It's real, right? Real humanity, real tiredness, real real weariness. I need some water. Keep reading. Jacob's well was there, and so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now we're going to read the rest of this story in bulk here in a second. But there's like thousands of years of history here. Like thousands of years of history while she would get sassy with Jesus. You, a Jew, going to ask me for water? Do you hear the little angst in there? I, I almost picture her like, like clicking a little bit, like what, what's wrong with you? Don't you know that there's problems between our two people? Uh, and so if you were to look, uh, this stretches back a thousand years before when the northern part and the southern part of Israel split and then the Assyrians came and took away the northern part. They took them into exile, but then they also interbred, sent a bunch of people to marry and intermingle to kind of erase the culture of that northern part of, of Israel. Uh, the problem is the northern, northern kingdom, didn't, it, they didn't resist at all. They freely married, freely made kids, freely just embraced the fact that they had been kind of culturally scrubbed a little bit. Uh, the southern kingdom of Israel thought themselves as the real Israel. We're the real people of God. They're the sellouts, all right? And, and so they really were like, we're holding to the promises of God. We have the city of God, Jerusalem. We are this pure, pure people. They're like they kind of considered them mutts because they had defiled what God had said. So around 100 BC, uh, a renegade Jew named Manasseh, uh, not important, but he defected to Samaria. And then he started to set up places of worship. 
places of worship that were Jewish in nature, but they still followed some of the Jewish books, but they didn't follow the Psalms, for example. They thought they were too Jewish. So he sets up basically like a little cult. And so the Jews hated him. They thought that they were not only like religiously selling out, they were physically much. It's just horrible things were said about Samaritans. Like if one was on fire, you wouldn't even spit on them or pee on them. But it's just like, there's this horrible animosity, all right? And so Jesus is sitting here with a woman uh, and normally he, you would never walk that way, which is why I said you shouldn't. Have you would never go through Samaritan. You, you, you would go around. It would add six days to your journey, but you would walk around. That's what you normally would do. So here he is uh, talking to this woman and let's see what he says. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And, and Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The, the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. All right, so here's this full story, and we're not actually going to read the end of it. I would actually challenge you to go home and find out what happens after this interaction. Beautiful, like, salvation takes place, all right? But these, this little moment, I believe, is powerful. And if you start at the beginning in verse 4, I said underline it, and he had to pass through Samaria. So once again, he did not have to. And if you were to go into the Greek, it's in the imperfect tense. And so it could literally, he was having to go. Is how it could read, meaning he was compelled. There was no anything that would make him do that. There was actually so many routes to go around because they had so, so feared the Samaritans that the Jews were like, you can go this way to the east or this way to the west, but it'll get you away, and this is how long it'll take. They had it planned out. So Jesus, the spirit-filled man, the man that listened to the Father, had, had, a, had a date. 
had a, a thing that God wanted him to do to sit with this woman, to meet her at the sixth hour in the middle of the afternoon to tell her that there's an opportunity for living water to come up and spring up in her life. And so what John has done now is he's showing us who Jesus is in light of everything that the Jews seem to believe. So last week with Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, it's not about willpower. It's not about family legacy. It's not about what you can do. It's about you must be born again, Nicodemus. And now he's sitting and he looks at this woman and he says, and I'm offering you living water, living water. All right, and he's sitting where? At Jacob's well. Now you're like, that means so much to me. Jacob's well? No way. I know. So if you know your Old Testament, God is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Now we're not Jewish, so we don't really study that stuff that much, but Jacob's well is significant in the people of the Old Testament and the Jews today even, all right? Father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, this is amazing testaments of the patriarchs of the Jewish family lines, all right? So, the, Jacob's well. Abraham, around that general area, Abram, not even Abraham at that point, Abram made his first sacrifice to God in that general area. Uh, you have God making his first promise to give the land to the people in that general area. You, you have other moments where Abraham's servant meets Rebecca, who is Isaac's future wife. You have all these moments in the Old Testament that are happening in this area, at this well, where God is like sovereignly going, I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna make a way, I'm gonna bless these people. Uh, and through the, like it, it's just amazing things are happening at this well. And so Jesus shows up and says, who cares about that water? Who cares about this thing that happened here? Like, he knows where he's sitting. But what I'm giving you, woman, what I'm offering you is living water. And you know what's amazing? She wants it. Like, do you hear that? He offers her living water, and she says, verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So she's in, man. Lead her in the sinner's prayer, get her baptized. She's gone, Right? This thing's sealed. But then Jesus says something that is shocking, that if I did it to you, you would punch me. If we were at coffee or we were at Taco Bell and out of the blue, I just start like, I somehow read your journal and I was like, let's look at your web history. Right? Same thing just happens. Jesus, so really, if I was like, if you didn't know and I was like, guess, guess what's next? Guess what Jesus is gonna say to her next? you would not guess that he's about to go where he goes. But you know the story, so you do. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband, come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you've had five. And the one you're now, you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Can we just say that got awkward? Like, I will offer you living water. I want that living water. Give it to me. Go get your husband. Right? Do you feel the like, ooh, of that? And so when I see this, it's like, I know we don't know a lot of like, information about her, but like it, maybe she was a widow, all right? Maybe she's like 0 and 5 on husband staying alive. I don't know. 
And that's why guy number six, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe, right? Or maybe she's an adulterer. Maybe there was some infidelity. I don't know what's going on in this woman's past, but there's obviously some hurt and some shame and the reasons, like, we can go into way deep reasons why she's there at the time of day that she's there, all right? So she's hiding. She doesn't want to talk about this. And in fact, that Jesus is about to try to, like, push on her a little bit, she's going to push back, which is what normal people do, all right? So if we were to, let's, before we continue, bring it into right here. I think a lot of people in this room, because we're a part of a fallen world, and maybe it was somebody else's fault, maybe it's your fault, we have some level of woundedness. We have some kind of shame. We have some kind of belief that this sin or this thing defines me more than Jesus does. And so in a world that shames, that says, you keep that weakness to yourself, hide it even. You only show the best self to whoever you're talking to. Jesus goes after the heart, does he not? Jesus goes after the very thing she doesn't want anybody to touch. And so some of you, I think, have wounds. And what you need to hear me say is Jesus loves this woman too much to let that wound fester anymore. And it's festering. It's six dudes deep. All right? And so some of you are like, what's cruel? Why would Jesus be mean like that? I don't think it's mean. I think it's loving. I think it's the kindness of God that he would sometimes push on wounds in me and I go, ow, that hurts. And he would then heal because he's the only one that can. And and so this is a picture even of what Jesus is after today because the place that Jesus wants to most heal in many of you, you will fight, you will hide, you will make excuses or you'll do what she does. And so what she does is because it's getting a little uncomfortable, like, wow, why are you gonna talk about husbands? Uh, she goes theological. And I've been in conversations with men and women where it gets personal and we almost get to a point where they're like embracing the love of God and then they go, what's your view on homosexuality? Just blow it up with some theological arguments, right? Or if it's a, a, a churchy person, what's your view on Calvinism, right? So no, we, we play the same game that she's about to play. We're like, it's getting a little too close for comfort. I'm getting a little awkward. That hurts a little too much, Jesus. What about this problem? And it's usually theological. And so look what she says. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Duh, yeah, right? Because Jesus didn't know that beforehand, right? I don't think. Uh, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So once again, she's self-protecting, right? She's, she's like, let's not, let's, not talk, let's not talk about the husbands. Let's talk about proper worship. Sounds spiritual, right? Sounds important. And the thing is, there's truth to be had in this, right? But she's playing a game where Jesus tries to get to her heart, and she's, and she's trying to like, kind of like get away from it really hard. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. So right up front, you gotta hear, Jesus gives her the truth, does he not? Like Jesus didn't shy away because truth actually matters when you're having conversations with people, when you're interacting with Jesus. There's truth. You worship what you don't know, lady, 
We worship what we do, and salvation comes from the Jews, because who's sitting in front of her? Jesus, who is a good the Jewish savior of the world that we're grafted in as Gentiles. This is Jesus sitting in front of her. He's not being mean to her. He's telling her biblical truth. Yeah, it does come from the Jews. And yeah, we're worshiping something that's been revealed to us over centuries. And, and, and yeah, there's coming a time where it's not gonna matter about this mountain or it's not gonna matter about going down into the city and into Jerusalem. It's gonna matter about what? Verse 23, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. So this woman is trying to push him away from this heart level hurt, this pain that she has and the things she's trying to cover up. And Jesus starts to instruct her, teach her faithfully what the scripture says. And then he gives her good news. He says, there's this moment where, hey, you're gonna, we're gonna worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And it's not gonna be so much about, hey, this people's right, or this. it's gonna be about what God's doing right here in the spirit, in truth, in you. He's, he's kind of beckoning her to come. And then he transitions to her. Uh, and, and so here's the thing. I've seen over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, people do the same exact thing, that they just walk through with Jesus. So we never really want to deal with, why are you so angry? Why, why are you so full of anxiety? Why is lust owning you right now? That's not, that's not ta- let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the sovereignty of God and how God is good and his plans for my life. Well, his plan for your life right now, this morning, Cobblestone, and I think it's the challenge of the spirit, is are you trusting him with everything? And most of the time when we think about everything, we think about our kids and our wives and our money and our, no, I'm talking about the dark places. The stuff that you would never wanna tell another human being. The stuff, men, that you don't wanna tell your wife because you feel shame about it that? Will you trust Jesus with that? Now, he already knows about it, right? He's the king of everything, knower of all things. So he already knows. He knows what you got in the closet. I think I've said before, God made the closet and the wood and the guy that made the closet that the wood is made. God knows, right? So we're not hiding. What we're really doing is playing games. And some of us are walking in a level of woundedness and lying that is stifling everything that God wants to produce in us, living water. That's like a stream, not stagnant, but flowing. Does your faith feel like that? Does your faith feel like that? In verse 26, then Jesus answers her, and I love it because in a gospel full of I am statements, right? That's what the gospel of John is known for. I am, there's seven of them. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am living water. I am the bread of life. I am, like all these I am statements. The first one doesn't go to Nicodemus, who's like a powerful Pharisee. The first one doesn't go to the rulers. The first one doesn't go to the nations. The first one goes to a five-husband-deep, sin-filled woman. And he looks at her in verse 26, and he says, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. 
So everything you need, lady, all the truth you're seeking for, all this nonsense about this mountain or Jerusalem, all this living water, all that shame, I'm the answer to it. That's Jesus' answer. And the free offer of living water went to this woman, five husbands, has one now, not married to her. Makes no sense, right? Look at how Jesus treats people. So here's how we normally operate. If I could just stop this behavior. So what's your behavior you need to stop? I think you should make a chart. And you should type A it, right? Like real hard type A it. Pick the time you're gonna do it or not do it. What's the behavior you need to stop? So is it computer behavior? Is it language behavior? Uh, For a while in high school, because I used to say the F word more than I said any other word, I put rubber bands on my wrist. And anytime we would say that word, you know what we would do? And before long, I just like had a callus over my wrist. Right, so there's a behavior modification because I was like, I know that I'm not supposed to say those words. They just keep coming out as a young Christian, right? So what's the behavior you need to change? Or what's the behavior you need to start? So some of you, you know you're supposed to pray. You know you're supposed to fast. You know you're supposed to be in the word. And so you're gonna set a timer for 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. Let's go earlier because real Christians get up real early, 5.30, right? 5.30 a.m., I'm getting up and I'm gonna be with Jesus. Now you sleep straight through that alarm. Straight through, because your body's not used to it. And then you wake up at 6.30 and what do you feel? Shame. Guilt. Well, I didn't love him. Now, here's the question. Do you believe that that's how Jesus' affections work for you? Do you believe that's how the gospel works? What did this woman repent of? Nothing yet. What did this woman offer Jesus? Nothing yet, except a little sass about water. Right? And so the affection of God doesn't fluctuate for you. It's not cheap. It's not, oh, you you have not read your Bible for two days. No grace for you. Your marriage isn't a picture of Christ in the church. Get out of my face, right? And I know you're like, I know that, but it's like, it's how you feel on a real level. And because of that feeling, I could never give God this dark place in my life. But that's the exact place that I think springs of living water flow out of this woman's life. The very darkest place, the place that she does not want Jesus to touch. So what are you hiding? What are you trying to start or stop? Do you believe that God loves you and that by trusting him with that thing, the dark thing, the evil thing, maybe evil, shame-filled thing, that he's worth trusting in that? Uh, In Jeremiah 2.13, you don't even have to go there, I'll just read it to you. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now, so you see this whole idea of living water actually flows through the whole Bible. And time and time again, this is what God's people do. They forsake God, who is the source of true life, and they build fake, false replicas that hold less than what God actually wants to do in them. So I'll start with the Christians, and then we'll work our way down. Christians, 
those that claim Christ in this room, do you feel like your life with Jesus is like a spring of flowing water, living water? Like it never runs out, it never runs dry, it's never gonna let you, I mean, I could sing that song right now, but I'm not going to, right? Do you feel like that? And I'm not saying every day it's like you get up and you're like, but I'm saying like normally is there movement to it? Is the spirit speaking? Is there hunger and desires that weren't there pre-Jesus? Because the offer Jesus is making is living water that will not run out, well, does not run dry, and is not, and not this fake false cistern stuff that's got flies and net, like gnats floating in it. Living water that's roaring and running and flowing, overflowing. You feel like that in your faith? So maybe if you're a Christian in this room, this message isn't just for broken, sinful housewives. This message is Jesus going, do you want living water? Do you want living water? Do you want eternal living Jesus to fill you? And every Christian in the room right now should be like, yes, I do want this. All right? And then you go down to, all right, those in the room that maybe you have some dark place in your life. Will you trust Jesus with that today? Like, just go ahead. The worst that could happen is you are outed, all right? And he already knows, so you're already outed. The beautiful thing that John is doing is he's showing the freedom that is found in the work of Jesus Christ, all right? The work of Jesus Christ is not contingent on you. And that is the best news I just gave you. He who began the good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Which means my salvation and my sanctification is built on not my promise to him, but his promise to me. And he pro- his promises don't fail. And so what I'm gonna, I'm gonna bank on this week is that I'm gonna lean fully into Jesus and go, all right, all of me, Jesus, the gross stuff, the stuff that I don't want Anna to know, all that darkness that sometimes gets on me, Lord, I'm gonna put it all in your hands and go, I trust you because you're the one, you didn't save me to leave me where I am, but you didn't save me just so I could try to row myself and earn myself into heaven. You got me there. And so I'm gonna end with a question and then we're gonna end with some worship. Um, and I'm going to need some participation from those in the audience, so please don't leave me hanging. Who of you in here, you would say, like, there was a season in your life where, like, you, you just had this thing that you were like, I have to hide this. Like, I don't want this to be known. Push it down deep. Don't let anyone see it. And, and you just, like, felt like anybody were to find it, it would be like death, all right? And it, but by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit pushed you to have courage to like put that thing in the light, to show somebody, to tell somebody, to confess somebody, and then like living water burst forth. So who in the room, by show of hands, would testify, I came into the light and it made all the difference? Keep them up there, all right? So if you are hiding, this is the testimony of the saints. This is the testimony of God's people. All right, you can put your hands down. Yes, I was hiding, right? But this is our great privilege, that the light is what we were saved into and made for, not the dark. And Jesus is beckoning this woman into the light. 
even though she's terrified of it and theologically plays games with them and tries to get them on all sorts of tangents, he's like, no, 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 come into the light. This is what Jesus says today, come into the light. Praise God that when I come to him or I come to a brother in this room and I go, brother, this is the sin that I don't wanna show anybody, but I want freedom. What I am met with is life, springs of living water and freedom. That's what you can expect if you step into it today. So Christians, if you're in here, this is my hope that you will look like, is my life stagnant? Have I built a cistern, which is a false supply of living water? And do you need to come again to the source? And everybody does. So I think our response is, Lord, I'm coming to you. Fill me up to overflowing. Throw through me like living water, all right? Or if you're in here, I'll echo the words of Jesus. Go, go, grab, go grab your husband. Go grab whatever it is. Go grab, fill in the blank so that streams of living water might burst forth into eternal life. Like that's the challenge for today. And so I'm gonna pray and we're gonna worship, but we're also going to, I'm gonna invite some prayer teams up here during worship and definitely after worship, once it gets a little quieter, these teams exist for one thing, for you to bring that thing, that, that thing that you've been hiding and confess it out loud to another human being. And I know some of you are like, nope, lost me right there. It can be this simple. It can be one word. You can come up to one of them, and I promise you no shame will be given, only grace. You can just say, lust, and they'll pray for you. I don't think it has to be this big, like, so 17 years ago, I was underneath my dad's bed, and I found this magazine, and now it doesn't have to be all that. It doesn't have to be all that. It can just be like, in faith, I'm going to come up and I'm going to tell someone I need help with this one thing. Put a word on it and then trust God knows and that God will tell them how to pray for you. Like just trust the Lord this morning, all right? That freedom is found in coming into the light. Or you can just do the same thing you've been doing on the hamster wheel of hide it, try to do it yourself, fall on your face, hide it, try to do it yourself, fall on your face. We can go like this for a while. Or you can come to the source, Jesus himself. And he's probably gonna ask you some hard questions somewhere in there, because go get your husband. It's not a fun question. So, Andrew, what are you looking at on the internet? Andrew, what's that, what, why did you speak to her that way? Andrew, why, what, that, this is how the Lord speaks to me, because I'm his son. He might speak to you like that too. Jesus, you're good. And I pray that you would do the rest of the speaking today. That from this moment right here, as we step into worshiping you, and then we step into confession and prayer and just, I don't know, be in your body that needs help, so much help. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would reveal if maybe, maybe we need to acknowledge that we've built some cistern, some fake replica of what you really want to do. And so I come to you now, God, and I pray springs of living water, like living water would flow up in your, my brothers and sisters, your kids, to overflowing. I pray, God, something new would happen this morning, that we wouldn't just sit here and sing some songs and hear some scripture, but we would jump in, run with, acknowledge God our sin and be set free in the name of Jesus. For anybody in here that has a wound, 
there anybody in here that has a sinful past? I thank you that your first like invitation of living water was to a quote unquote sinful woman that had no chance and yet you offered her something we all need. And so this morning, God, make us bold to confess. Make us bold to come to the throne of grace. Make us bold, God, to trust you. Even with the hard stuff, even with the dark stuff. So Jesus, we trust you. May you be worshiped in your name. Amen. So church, if you would, we're just gonna sing what has become our anthem, which is the song worthy of it all. It's just like, God, you're just worthy of everything. And here's the thing, Jesus died so he could handle even that dark stuff. So when you're singing, you're worthy of it all, what, what Jesus died to take from you, if you're holding on to it, give it to him. The sin, the shame, the guilt. So if you would, let's stand, let's worship. And after this, our prayer counselors will be up.